Welcome to the Fearless Warrior Podcast. This is a place where truth is shared, taboos are disrupted, secrets are revealed, and power is gained. I'm your host, Danny Tamras, and it is my personal mission to empower women in becoming the best version of themselves. Each week, I'm bringing you inspiring guests to help you build your confidence and mental toughness so that you can live the life of your dreams. Welcome to the next episode of the Fearless Warrior Podcast. I'm super excited about today's conversation as this topic touches so many people around the world. It is something we all share in common, yet it is something that makes so many of us worried, stressed, or even anxious. The topic for today's show is sales, our mindset around sales, why it matters, and why it is the number one skill to master and what it can do for your life and business. As somebody who started in sales and still considers herself as a saleswoman, I could talk about sales on and on and on. But today, we have a fantastic guest who is much better suited to talk about this topic than I am. My guest for today's show is Jeremy Demerchant. Jeremy is a sales team turnaround specialist, best-selling author, international speaker, and host of the Sales Team Rescue podcast. Jeremy got hooked on sales at the age of 14 and never let go. He quickly found his place leading high-performance sales teams, even before his 20th birthday. He's done frontline sales and run teams for some of North America's leading companies in intercom, banking, insurance, and education, ending his corporate career after leading a small sales team to a record-breaking eight-figure sales year. In 2014, he launched Permission to Sell Consulting Group with the vision of helping grow sales teams all around the world. Since then, he's had the opportunity to help businesses from Santa Monica to Singapore to double their sales in as little as few weeks. In this episode, Jeremy and I talk about his early beginning in sales, the mindset of successful sales professionals, and whether sales is or isn't for everybody. This conversation is loaded with many practical tips. Enjoy and let me know what you thought. As always, do leave us your review on Apple Podcast so that we can better spread the message of empowerment to other listeners like you. If you enjoy this podcast, sign up for my weekly newsletter on danielatemars.com so that you never miss a new episode. And now let's dive into the interview. Jeremy, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Wonderful. How are you doing today? I am fantastic. The sun is shining and energy is high and I feel like the world is just kind of getting re-energized right now uh, with the season and there's just a lot of great things going on for a lot of great people right now and it really energizes me. What are some of the few things that make you really excited? Well, for me personally, my podcast just got launched, so that gets, gets me really excited. But I just feel like everybody that I'm running into, that I'm engaging with, they've uh, taken, and I know we're not really supposed to talk about this, but because we've had some times where things have been kind of shut down and we've kind of been secluded for a while and isolated from each other, I feel like energy-wise, things are just starting to open up more. And uh, you know, when we're recording this, it's kind of the start of the school year, so a bunch of changes are happening, but I feel like so many people are really, really optimistic about what's going on, and I just got a really great energy about everything right now. 
That's the spirit. So Jeremy, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Where did you grow up or also where, where do you live today? Yeah, so um, I was born and raised in a little town in Atlantic Canada called Fredericton, New Brunswick. Well, technically, I was just outside the city. And I've lived here almost my entire life. I did manage to escape for roughly 19 months to Canada's capital city of Ottawa, which was amazing. But I am now back in Fredericton and uh, came back for a visit, met the woman of my dreams, and now happily married almost exactly a year later. So it's uh, it's been an adventure. And this was part of me going on a search for who I am, who I can be, and kind of letting go of any past history. You know, I, I know in your case, you've moved around, but there's something nice and refreshing about getting a, a fresh start. And, and so I went on, on this adventure to give myself that, to see what I could do if I could let go of all the baggage of being in the same place that I grew up my entire life. And so when I came back, it was just a much better experience. I was in a much better mindset and I'd given myself a chance to really excel business-wise, sales-wise. I'm in a town where I hadn't known everybody for 35 years. So that was an interesting adventure, but it, it started out, and I don't want to go too, too far back, but you mentioned I got hooked on sales at age 14. My first sale was a lottery ticket, a scratch ticket. And I was working at a convenience store and these uh, $1 scratch tickets came in. And uh, it had a, a billiards hall brand. It's called Dooley's. It's a, a brand here in Canada. And I wasn't a very cool kid. I wasn't very athletic, but I could sort of play pool. So I got kind of excited when I saw these scratch tickets. Now, at 14, I was too young to play, of course. Wink, wink. <laughs> but because I got really excited about them, we had a customer come in and I said, hey, have you seen these? You should buy one. And she did. And the next customer came in and I said, hey, have you seen these? You should buy one. And he bought two. And I kept going on like that for the entire weekend. And again, this is like a part-time job that I'm doing just over the weekend. And by the end of the day, Sunday, I had completely sold out of these scratch tickets. And I realized if I could share my excitement with somebody, my enthusiasm with somebody, I could influence their buying decisions. And that's what got me hooked. It kind of became a game after that. Amazing. So how did it evolve from there? So since you had that realization, what did you do with that afterwards? Well, it turned out working at a convenience store had a little bit of a ceiling on how much I could make. Uh, so I, <laughs> I, I went on venturing into the business world, uh, found myself at a call center. And my dad had always been the corporate guy. And so I always wanted to climb the corporate ladder. So I was frontline sales at this call center for a little while, but uh, quickly found myself running teams and then running entire campaigns for, um, at the time was AT&T Long Distance. We were doing a win back program for people that had left the company because they were unhappy and it was our job to get them to come back on. And we did really, really well. But what the interesting thing that happened in that, uh, that job, that company was when I started on the phones, I realized I didn't love it. I liked being a leader, a coach, almost a manager even more. But I realized that the person that was number one or number two on the sales floor always stayed on the phones. But if you were number three, they would let you off the phones to coach other people. So I was quite regularly number three on the floor on purpose and got the opportunity to coach teams and then had the opportunity to manage a team and then running the entire program and, and campaigns for AT&T. So I realized that as much as I kind of enjoyed those conversations, those frontline conversations, I got really fired up and enthusiastic about helping somebody else improve. And that was where the, the kind of the light bulb went off for me. Excellent. So what have you learned from your experience of leading sales teams? 
<laughs> well, hopefully this isn't offensive to anybody, but I found that uh, I say this me being a salesperson as well. Sometimes managing a team of salespeople is like managing a team of children <laughs> because there's just so <laughs> many things that that can happen, right? People come in and your sales team really is like your family. And now with my business, like my, my core focus is helping people turn their sales teams around from being overwhelming and exhausting to being a money-making sales closing machine. But to do that, you need to embrace the fact that you need to approach this from the perspective of these guys are your family or these girls are your family. And it's kind of like they're kids. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but there's always a lot of things that come with having a team of salespeople. Like when you're in sales, you don't separate work and home. Like there's no work-life balance. It just is who you are when you're in sales. And that means that um, if you have a good relationship with your sales team, you're going to hear about the guy that is worried about something going on at home. And you're going to build those high trust relationships where they can share their challenges and their concerns, but also their goals and their aspirations and their dreams so that you can keep that relationship built and you can keep everybody on the same page. Because one of the, the biggest challenges I see with sales teams is there's so much disconnect. There's a CEO, a VP of sales, a sales director saying, how come these guys aren't doing anything? And then there's a sales manager going, I'm not really sure what to do, but you put me in charge because I've been here the longest. And then you've got these sales reps who are doing what they think they need to do. And they feel like they're doing a good job, but they know that they could be doing better. And so they don't feel like they get the support. But if you can bridge that gap with relationship, if you can make it feel like, hey, I can go to my manager with anything. It's okay to go to the sales director for something. Um, it doesn't mean I'm throwing my manager under the bus. Like creating this high trust relationship. And, and one of my favorite authors is Patrick Lencioni, who wrote the book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And it is it plays a huge part in in my approach to to helping build teams. But it focuses on primarily that level of trust. And so having a sales rep can't be a transaction. Having a sales team can't be a transaction. When you bring somebody in, asking them to represent your product and be the front line of your business and your brand, and the first person that your customer or client is going to experience, you need to have the level of relationship with them that you almost that you do with your partner, you know, that you do with a spouse, because you need to be able to have those conversations that make it okay to have disagreements, that make it okay to help them improve and it just makes it okay to try things. It makes it feel that you're going to get support. And it's very similar to when you're a kid, you know, you don't go out trying to mess up, but if something messes up, you might be worried what your parents are going to say. But at the end of the day, you know, it's going to be all right. I mean, it might be bad in the moment. You might be terrified, but you know, three days later, it's going to be all right. And that same kind of dynamic is the most powerful thing you can create in a sales team because that it really is a group of people that are there to represent what could be your baby, which is your brand and your company and your product. Amazing. I really like that and the correlation of building high trust relationships. I think it's essential almost in any business, but especially in startups or when you're trying to launch something off the ground, if there's no trust, then what are you going to achieve, right? Or when you really need to push, then who's going to help you? And and that needs to be based on this mutual trust and the give and take where you both help each other. So I couldn't agree more. Now, since many of our listeners might be wondering, okay, well, sales is something I've heard a lot about, but I'm not sure if this is for me. What do you say to people who 
let's say, have some sort of an aversion to sales? Like, uh, how, how do you think of sales in, in general? What has this taught you and why maybe should others open their mind to maybe trying it out? Well, I'm going to go back and I'm going to share a story that I almost never, and I mean, this isn't just like jump on an interview and say I never share this story, but when I was growing up, I was the heavy kid with glasses and I was picked on. And that's not, I don't say that to get sympathy, but I want people to know where I was coming from. And I quickly learned that I didn't like my peers, the other students. I mean, obviously there are some exceptions, but in general, as a child, I became frustrated with how I was treated by people my own age. But I learned that if I could impress adults, my parents, teachers uh, with good grades, then I could get that acknowledgement that I was looking for. And so what happened was I spent most of my middle school, junior high, and, and high school life paying attention to how adults acted and reacted to things in their world. And sometimes it had to do with me, sometimes it didn't. But I started to see things like how trust was built or what things would make somebody happy versus make somebody upset. And I almost, it almost became studying, really, on this adult behavior, this human behavior, and almost psychology. And what I've learned, and I carry this now into uh, you know, my everyday activities, my teachings, is when you approach somebody with the intent to help, that should be no different than when you're approaching somebody with the intent to sell. Because sales is not the role that Danny DeVito played in the, the movie Matilda in the 90s or early 2000s. Not the used car salesman, not the, the vacuum cleaner salesman that jammed his foot in the door to, to get your parents to talk to them. Like That's not what sales is. That's really bad and extreme examples of how sales should not be done and how a single transaction may happen, but a lifetime experience with a customer will never happen. What sales is, is simply helping somebody identify their problem and then helping them solve it. And where sales gets complicated is sometimes a solution isn't something that they've thought of. So there's some persuasion to help them see your point of view. But if you're not sold or if you don't believe that the solution you're providing is the solution to the problem or is at least going to help, then you shouldn't be selling whatever it is you're promoting anyway. So sales... I love the word sales, but the problem is it does have such a negative negative connotation um, in a lot of circles. And it's a shame because you're sitting on a chair right now, I'm sitting on a chair right now, and some kind of sales process happened for us to have these chairs. For me, it was an online ad that popped up. And everything in our house, our, our desks, our furniture, everything came to us through a sales process. And a lot of it included a human being. But we don't think of that as sales for some reason, because it's not us doing the selling. We're like, oh no, I like the guy at the furniture store though. He takes care of me. That means he's good at selling because he makes you feel good. You walk in, you say, hey, I'm looking for a sofa. He says, great. How big is the room? How many people you want it to hold? Asks those questions and helps you find a solution. You don't feel like you were sold. You feel like a problem was solved. And that's the shift. You don't need to worry about being uh, forgive the terminology, but the sleazy sales guy, because that approach doesn't work anymore. That'll never get you beyond your, your first sale with a person. And because consumers are much more educated now than they were 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and because there's so many options, the importance of creating that relationship is more vital than ever. 
I've purchased something and then found something at a better price somewhere else and took the first one back. But if I knew that person was commission-based and two, I had a good relationship with them, I'd be willing to just pay the extra money because I know long-term that relationship is going to get me treated better. That's so powerful. But when it comes to somebody selling their own products, and I know this happened for me when I started my business, I was great at selling other people's stuff. Uh, but suddenly it became, oh, well, do I want you to buy my program? Well, then I got to deliver it. Then I got to make sure you get the results. Oh, what if you don't? And what if you don't show up? And oh, is that on me? And all these, all the negative talk would come into my head because suddenly it was another level of pressure. It wasn't just, could I sell it? It was that belief. Did I believe it would give the results? And my programs when I started were phenomenal, but I didn't have the level of belief I needed in my own stuff because I didn't have enough people go through to say, yes, this is amazing. I was just starting out. And I think this is a challenge that a lot of people, especially in business, uh, people going into business for themselves face is I don't want to sell. And it's not because they don't want to sell. It's because there's some resistance around accepting money in exchange for the value that they're given because they feel like it puts more pressure on, how, on, the, on the level of result they have to deliver. Does that make sense? Yes, what you said, uh, the last sentence, that was actually very insightful, right? That people have the resistance or an accepting money because, well, there are two things I think you mentioned. It puts more pressure on them to deliver, but at the same time, right, if, if you're just starting out, you don't have the proof of concept yet, potentially, right? There's this question, will it deliver? Right. And you unpacked so many amazing things about sales and I'm lucky enough that when I was growing up or when I initially got into sales, I was surrounded by people who exactly viewed sales in a similar way as this opportunity to build relationships, to help people, to solve problems. And I was looking up to some of the best salespeople that were in my personal network and I wanted to be like them and their craftsmanship or their communication skills and all of that, their leadership that accompanied that, that made me attracted to sales. I wanted to be like them. So it can be very, very attractive, but it's a lot of hard work too. Like, So tell us, if you are a professional salesperson or account executive, what does the day-to-day -day look like? Or even from your early days in your corporate career, this is not a job for anybody. However, it does bring a lot of rewards. So what are the pros and cons? <laughs> yeah, so a lot of it depends on the company you work for and the industry that you're in. For me, so when I was last on the phone, so to speak, doing frontline sales, it was at an online university. And for in, in that role, my day would look like I'd get to the office. We had the physical kind of call center set up. We didn't call it that, but that's what it was. And I'd sit down, log into my phone, I'd go get a coffee, and then start my day. And the day would be, okay, what leads came in overnight that I need to call right now? What leads are in my system that need follow-up today? Do I have any scheduled appointments? And then it became filling the rest of the day with dials. And at the time, the target was to do 100 dials per day at that place. And it was a great company. It was an online university, great degree program. I took some courses through them while I was there. But I had a really hard time getting the volume, quite honestly. Uh, sales is a contact sport. I actually just wrote an article about it uh, for uh, an online magazine called The Coach Guardian. And this is a tip that I learned working at this online university, that the more contacts you make, the more success you're going to have. Right? Sales is a contact sport. So they encouraged everybody to aim to have at least 100 dials per day. 
my challenge with that was that when I got on the phone with somebody, I got really chatty. So I ended up somewhere between 30 and 40 dials a day, but I was always top one or two sales in the center. And so my feedback was always, can you just do more? <laughs> and I, uh, <laughs> I was like, that's not the feedback I want. I want to get better, right? So, um, which we'll, we'll come back to how to manage top performers a little later. But that it, it was a lot of grind. Um, and, and at the time, I... Uh, we were dialing all over the world and we were manually dialing the numbers. And at one point I was running a team dedicated to uh, serving in the Middle East. So we came in early because the time difference. But I'll tell you, you dial those those numbers and you miss, you miss one number and you get frustrated and it can ruin your day because there's the dial out code and then the country code and the area code. And they're just, it's such a long process just to dial. It sounds ridiculous. I'm complaining about how much time it takes to dial a phone number, but that was the, one of the biggest challenges. And now looking at uh, you know, sales centers, call centers, um, any place that's set up for high volume, they don't dial. They have a system or a dialer built into their CRM that allows them to do one click and it dials. And it's specifically because so much time gets wasted in somebody fumbling around. Or if somebody feels like, you know what, I'm, you know, it's an off day today. I'm going to slow down a bit. Well, it's easy to just sit there and go, oops, I messed up the number. Let me try again and just find reasons to slow down. So if you take that variable out of there, um, you, depending on, you know, how many people are actually picking up and hangups you get and things like that, um, you could like triple your volume by not having to dial these numbers. So to go back to your question, a day in the life, that was pretty much it. Uh, start the morning off, seeing what was planned for the morning and then smile and dial and then come back from lunch, see if anything had popped up while I was away and then smile and dial again. You pretty much described it. And I guess the, the point I was trying to make is that it is a grind, right? Yeah. But so yeah. is building your business, right? And that's right. what makes making your business or building your business possible, making sales, right? So without that, you cannot grow your business effectively. So what has sales taught you the biggest gifts of sales, like what, what has it done for your life? Well, I think the biggest thing is it's made me so much better with people. So up until the point when I was about 14, I was horribly antisocial. And then I started working at that convenience store and I had to be social. People were coming in. I had to have conversation with them and I started to like it. And I started to, again, learn what triggered people in all the best ways, right? How can I get someone to come in and smile even if they're just getting a pack of cigarettes, for example, or they're just paying for their gas? So that made me open up. And the same little conversation starters that I used when I had, you know, three seconds with them in the convenience store as they threw cash at me, I used in building friendships and building relationships. And I'll share this story. I always talk about when it comes to sales, always book your next meeting from your current meeting. Never leave and say, oh yeah, I'll get back to you. Like schedule a follow-up now in that moment because, and for me, I'm, I'm lazy when it comes to follow-up. I'm horribly undisciplined. And so I had to find a hack to not have to worry about, oh, here's the 300 people I was supposed to follow up with next week, right? That's the worst feeling in the world. And so I just started making sure that I always booked the next call. And I won't say just for fun, but I at one point, obviously before I was married, I went on a date with a girl and I couldn't really tell if she liked me. And so I said, well, what are you doing tomorrow night? And then we had that date and I still wasn't sure. And I said, well, what are you doing tomorrow night? And we ended up having 28 dates in 30 days. <laughs> and by oh. then I realized <laughs> she liked me. So, but it's a very interesting lesson because in sales, we tend to assume 
that if somebody's not saying yes or they're not answering the phone or responding to emails, that it's a no. And so in this scenario, I specifically focused the other way and I just kept asking. And until she said no, I was going to keep asking for the next date. And it worked out well. I think we dated for, I think, nine months or so. And so like it, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it, it turned out to be a pretty good relationship compared to what it could have been. So this is the same way with sales relationships. Don't assume the no. Just keep asking the questions that'll get you the yes. Well, and they could get you the no too, and that's okay. But don't assume. Ask the questions they need to ask to move the relationship forward. That's probably the best way to put it. And if the other person says no or no thank you, or you know we don't want to hear from you anymore or whatever, so be it. That's fine. But until you get a no, keep asking questions. Don't assume the no. Because you, you don't know what you're going to walk away from based on that assumption. Absolutely. This is a great recommendation. Now, how has this spilled over into other areas in your life? So when you're not professionally selling. <laughs> what other areas are there? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, you know, I, I found myself in relationships where my partner will say, are you selling me on this? So because I'm really good at getting people to open up. Now, I will say that because I've learned how to effectively ask open-ended questions and get really deep into getting to know someone that's on the other side of a phone or a video call or a meeting, it's actually made me better in relationships. It's made me extra aware of body language, of tone of voice. And so now my wife, if she's having an off day, I can call her on it before she even has to bring it up because I can see it in her body language. I can hear it in her voice and I can tell when she's off, which makes her feel like I'm extremely attentive to her needs, right? So I get you know the winning card for the great husband and I don't have to worry about getting kind of surprised by something two weeks down the road uh, where something comes back to, to haunt me that I didn't realize was a problem in the first place. So it makes all my relationships better because I've basically trained myself to not just build relationships, but to get to understand people and what simple behaviors, simple mannerisms, tone of voice, body language, how they can impact the interaction and what they say about how somebody's feeling right now. Very true. So basically what you're saying is that you're leveraging the skills that you've learned in the, in the corporate environment or in building partnerships with, with clients in your day-to-day -day relationships and relationship with your wife, maybe with your friends, with your family, right? So it has ultimately helped you build better relationships with others. Absolutely. Excellent. Are there any other benefits to, let's say, why, why people should think about giving this a try or even if they're not in a sales role right now and they're not seeking a sales career, why is this something that everybody should try to improve on or learn something about? So I don't know that I believe that everybody should, to be honest. Uh, yeah, let, let's talk about that. Yeah, I got thinking about this. And I was having a conversation just the other day for, with somebody who is really all about outbound outreach. And I said, you know, I really don't like cold calls. And she kind of dug into me a little bit on it. But I think sales, now this is why I love sales. Sales allows you and even forces you to challenge your own boundaries. It forces you to get uncomfortable and become comfortable in that discomfort, if that makes sense. Like stretching yourself becomes a part of your day because if you're always just, yeah, this is great. It's just warm and cozy here where I live in this little bubble. 
and you don't go outside of it, you're missing a pile of opportunity. I had a mentor of mine who once said to me, everything you want in life is just outside your comfort zone. And I know there's a famous quote that's very similar to that as well. And uh, it, it really inspired me because in any moment when you start to think, oh, I don't want to do that, you need to truly assess whether or not you don't want to do it because it's going to hurt someone or you don't want to do it because you're afraid of how somebody's going to think of you. And if it's the second one, that probably means you should do it and it's time to get uncomfortable. And in that thought process, when I, when I created my company, uh, my tagline that I created was get uncomfortable, get results, which a lot of people really didn't like. They thought, I don't want to hire you if you're going to make me get uncomfortable. And I said, well, I don't want to work with you if you're not going to get uncomfortable. So <laughs> we're good. So it does exactly what I want it to do. But it's, it's really representative. Like if you're someone that you're okay where you're at, you're okay living in your bubble, and life is good, right? Based on your own measurements, your own preferences, your own goals, life is good. Great. You don't need to force yourself to be a salesperson. But that's not the case for most people. You might be comfortable where you're at, but I'm guessing you're not good. And I think there's a big difference. And so if you feel like there's things in your day when you go, oh, I should be doing this. I should be going to the gym. I should be reading a book. I should be, I should be, I should be. And as Tony Robbins says, you should all over yourself. Uh, <laughs> then I think it's time to challenge you, challenge yourself. And one of the easiest ways to challenge yourself is to do something that relates to sales or building relationships and interacting with people at a high volume. Because what you'll find out very quickly is that all the head junk that you have going on about why sales is bad or why you're not a good person for sales it'll quickly disappear when you realize people don't really care that much about you. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. People are so obsessed with themselves. It's like if you're at the gym and you're worried about, oh no, is somebody looking at me? Yeah, they're probably not. They're probably worried that you're looking at them. Because we are so self-obsessed, self-consumed, that anything that you're worried about, like if somebody thinks of you in a certain way, they probably barely even realize what you've done. And that, that was a really tough thing for me. At one point when I started, I, I did a, a promotion. I was actually promoting somebody else's product. And somebody messaged me and said, I see, you're, it's just a big scam. And it really bugged me. Like it, I was at a commission for like two days because it bothered me that much because I was so, like I was back to the kid that was getting picked on, right? I'm like, oh no, the bully's being mean to me. Right? But that's where my head went. That was where I'm, I was emotionally at. I hadn't emotionally matured past that at that point. And that was only like six years ago. And so sales has forced me to, I don't like to say get a thicker skin because it's not, it's not that I'm tougher. It's that I care less about what other people think of me personally. Because I know that if I try to live my life based on what somebody else wants me to live, it's not going to be my life. So being able to, to push myself outside that comfort zone, whether it's going to the gym, whether it's eating healthy and as I say these things, I'm not saying that I'm doing them all to the level that I should be. But if you feel like there's boundaries in your life that you need to push or boundaries in your life that you need to redefine, like someone in your life that you give way too much time to that you know you shouldn't, push yourself outside your comfort zone to set those boundaries. Make it okay if they don't like your decision, but make it your decision. And so if you start engaging with people, um, and in a sales context, it makes it a lot easier. Like if you want to go and get started like the easiest way, is like a network marketing company. You get 200 bucks, I promise you, you can find a business in 30 minutes or less with network <laughs> marketing. But go in there with the goal of making yourself uncomfortable. 
And you're going to surround yourself with people that are all thinking bigger and it'll challenge your thinking. I wouldn't go in to make a pile of money unless you've got a super long-term plan and there's lots of variables. And I don't want to say anything bad about network marketing because network marketing changed my life, but it wasn't because of the system. It was because of the people that exposed me to. And you can use it in the same way. I did not know who Tony Robbins was before network marketing. I did not know who Jim Rohn was before network marketing. I didn't know who Les Brown was. I didn't know who all these great motivational speakers and business coaches and uh, quote unquote gurus were. And now these people inspire me every day. And if I hadn't have been exposed to network marketing, I'd probably be sitting in someone's corner office right now, maybe as a manager, maybe as a VP of something. But I'll tell you, I'd have to be there by 8.30 or 9 in the morning and I'd probably wouldn't be able to leave until 7 p.m. And I'd work every single weekday and every other weekend probably, you know? So it would be a different life. Not to say one's better or worse, but I kind of like this one. I like being able to get up and take my dog for a walk at first thing in the morning or at 10 o'clock or at 2 p.m. It doesn't matter. I can make my own schedule. But it, it wouldn't have happened without network marketing. So people can say whatever they want negative about it. But I will tell you, if you get yourself in a place and surround yourself with people who are thinking bigger, who are looking for options and are willing to explore new ideas, it will change you and it'll show you a whole different world. I love that. Thank you. This was amazing. And really the, the premise of all of it, what you just said is about getting uncomfortable, right? And sales is all about getting uncomfortable, getting uncomfortable with the anticipation of who will pick up the phone or now I need to talk to somebody who already doesn't really want to talk to me, right? Or like cold calling is hard. However, Sales is not only about cold calls, right? It, as you said, it is about building relationships. And so, so there are different strategies that people can adopt. To me, or why I was asking you this question is that I see myself doing sales every day, even though I'm not in an active sales role. I see that it comes up in my communication with customers. And when I want to push forward an idea that I have in the company, I need to get buy-in or influence from internal stakeholders or even others. And deal with pushback, it makes me a better communicator, right? Because in sales, you always need to ask, answer the question, why? Why should I care, right? And at the end, it's not why you think they should care, but how is it reflective of their needs, their problems, their challenges? And then when you can make that connection, then you can tie the dots, right? And then the light bulb goes off. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I want to add too is that, you know, there's the getting uncomfortable, but I inadvertently brought up another point in my little rant about network marketing that I want to kind of touch back on really quick. If you want to, you know, you want to jump into sales and improve the communication, you also want to be able to feed your mind things that are going to positively support this activity because there's so much negativity out there. And if you're just gauging your entire sales career, or even, you know, even if you're starting out on your experience with your first three customers, it's not going to be a fair evaluation. So you want to be able to feed yourself positivity, get yourself thinking. I used to work in the insurance industry and I drive to a town um, outside of my city. It's about 45 minutes away. And I would put on Tony Robbins CDs and I would use that time to just feed my mind because there's this old saying that there's a good wolf and an evil wolf inside of you. Um, and it's actually a TV commercial now, I think. Um, and this, a uh, young guy says to his grandfather, well, grandfather, which one wins? And his answer was the one you feed. And when it comes to sales, you've got two wolves inside you, but one is saying, you got this, go get it. Um, and, and telling you what I like to call a green light story. And the other one's going, no, you can't do this. Doubt, doubt, doubt. And they tell you a red light story. 
And the one that wins that battle is the one you feed. So you need to keep feeding your mind positive things. You need to keep focusing on opportunity and feed your, you know, plug into audiobooks. I'm obsessed with audiobooks. Anything you can get your hands on, Jim Rohn, Tony Robbins, Les Brown, and there's, I could list off probably 200 more. But someone that's going to feed you positivity. Uh, Zig Ziglar, I consider to be the godfather of the sales industry. And one of the things that he said was you can have anything you want in life if you just help enough other people get what they want in life. And that quote to me truly sums up what sales is about. You solve enough people's problems, your problems will all be solved too. Very true. And Tony Robbins talks about it a lot, right? It, when you deliver value consistently over a long period of time, then you don't have to worry about money, right? And money will come. So, and how do you deliver value is by solving people's problems, right? So thank you for that. And I'm glad that you mentioned also some of the people who have influenced you and have helped you stay strong. Yeah. <laughs> sales is hard. I mean, so, you know, a big part of sales is rejection, how have you learned to cope with rejection? You know, I'm not good at it, to be honest. <laughs> and, and it's an interesting thing you say. So you said sales is hard. And I, I want to go back and I want to qualify that because I don't think sales is hard. I think some sales roles are very much designed for specific personalities and, you, and they can require you to push yourself way outside your comfort zone to be successful at them. Network marketing, for example, can be one of them being an outbound sales rep or a business development rep can be one of them. If you don't like reaching out to strangers and trying to get their attention and hooking them with one sentence about how you can help them, you know, that can be uncomfortable. But in my business, I have people book on my calendar. I show up on a Zoom call and we have a great conversation. Those sales aren't hard. Those are just getting to know people. Or if you have a, a you know, if you're a customer service representative and you work with somebody and you find out they have a problem. Well, hey, you know what? Why don't we do this for you as well? Um, it's only going to be you know, a couple of bucks or whatever, but it's going to help you solve that problem. They're going to be appreciative and technically you just sold. That's not hard. If, you've, if the structure of the role you're in, whether it's a service role, uh, maybe it is a, I'm going to say, quote unquote, closer role, or maybe you're a, a small business owner and you just go out to networking events and get into conversations with people. Those sales aren't hard. Those sales are just getting to know people, learning about their challenges and showing them how you can help them. So I just want to qualify that because I, or I guess maybe challenge your statement. I like that. <laughs> but, but there are absolutely some particular sales positions that are more challenging for certain personality types or based on someone's past experience than others, for sure. Yeah, I guess, you know, there's, there's so much that we could say about sales or where I was coming from when I was making that statement is that. Also, depending on the organization you're part of, the culture, right, the quota or the requirements that are put on you, you can be either in an environment that can help you succeed or can, you know, create more obstacles to make it possible. And I guess and the other part of it, since so I'm in, in the SaaS business and let's say closing uh, mid-market or enterprise deals, you know, can take longer periods of time, right? So you need to have a lot of tenacity or you need to be able to even go through a period of time without making any sale while you have so many opportunities and deals that you're trying to, or prospects you're trying to close and it takes time. So mm -hmm. it takes a lot of patience, a lot of hard work and uncertainty, right? So there's a lot about uncertainty, but you're right at the end, it's about building relationships and that's what makes it fun. If you're able to build trust with your clients, with your prospects, then 
suddenly, right, you're building relationships, you're making friends, and it doesn't feel like sales or anything that isn't really enjoyable. But what I mean hard work is that it requires time and effort. Oh, yeah, is hard work. Totally. Yeah, I absolutely support that. And to build on that, um, you know, in, even in the enterprise sales situation, if you need to make a call that, and you say, hey, Mr. Smith, I wanted to follow up on our proposal, or you're saying, hey, Dave, look, I'm just checking back in. I know we've been playing phone tag, but I really want to get this wrapped up for you. Why do you say we, why don't you say we get this rolling? The difference in those two statements not only is the energy you feel, but the relationship you have to have in order to make them. The second version is where you built a relationship with somebody. The first one is where you're terrified that you're going to lose your deal, right? So the relationship plays such a big part there. Totally. And one thing I would add is actually it's your own confidence and belief that you can make this happen. I used to be very much concerned about talking to VPs and I always built up their authority in my head, right? And then didn't make me a really good counterpart on the other side, right? Or I actually was hurting myself, right? But then later on, I just realized, hey, there are people too, as long as I am delivering value, then it doesn't matter what my title is. What matters is, are we solving the problem they have, right? It doesn't matter if they are the VP or the manager or account executive or, or whatever, as long as you're delivering value, that's all that matters. Absolutely. You touched on some of the mindsets that a good sales professional should have, but outside of being okay with getting uncomfortable and pushing themselves, what else would you add? The first thing is you really have to drink your own Kool-Aid. That's the starting point. You need to, and I say drink your Kool-Aid as in you need to believe. You need to buy into the product or service that you're selling because if you don't believe, and I kind of said this when we started, if you don't believe, then you're never going to have help somebody else believe. You truly got to believe that you've got a solution that's amazing. Now, I want to qualify that as well. Because that doesn't mean that your solution has to be the best in the market. You know, there's hundreds, thousands of sales trainers in the world. Do I offer the absolute best sales training in the world? I could probably say it's not the best in the world. Darn good, just for the record. But I can't say this is the best because I haven't tested everybody else's and et cetera. So, but I don't go up to somebody and go, well, you know, I know you need help selling. I could help you, but I'm sure there's somebody in Italy who has a better sales training than me, you should go find them. Like, I don't, you know, that's ridiculous, right? In, in, in that scenario. <laughs> but, but, but this is what we sometimes do is we get into our heads and go, yeah, our product's pretty good, you know, so you should give it a shot, I think, maybe, in, unless you're with one of our competitors. Like, really passive, right? And the mindset around, not only is it you got to drink the Kool-Aid, but it's a component of posture. And I don't mean physical posture, although that tends to be a part of it too, but the emotional posture that you come into a conversation with. If you come in believing, if I say, like, Mr. Smith, look, I understand that you've got this challenge, and I get it. It's been bugging you for years. Now, what I have is a solution that can not only solve the problem now, it can actually start making you money and make up for the lost time and money over that last two years, but we need to get going now. How bad do you want this to happen? And it's just a change. And suddenly it's not about the competitors. I didn't even bring up competitors, right? It's one-on-one. -on -one. So if, if somebody is thinking, oh, my product's pretty good, but not the best. Yeah, that's the case with every single product. Even the products that you see as number one in your industry, they're not number one in every single component of what they do. Someone's got them beat in some way. So there's no point in trying to be number one in the industry for everything for everybody from a sales mentality perspective. You need to be the best solution 
for the person in front of you. And I also want you to think about like, you know, if, if you say, oh, you know what, you got to go to the sales trainer. Well, that person doesn't know that sales trainer. And so if you don't help them with your solution right now, they're not going to go to someone better for the most part. They're just not going to solve the problem. And they're going to spend the next months, years, maybe even decades still feeling that pain that you had the opportunity to show them how vital it was and didn't. And so 10 years down the road, this business is about to crash because of a pain that you didn't highlight 10 years prior. And you could have solved with what would have been a relatively small investment, no matter what your price point is, compared to the negative impact not solving that problem had a decade later. So when you're in that situation, you've got a responsibility. Now, I had a, a young lady do a sales course um, at a local college or local university, and she interviewed me and she said, what's your best advice around sales? And I said, being able to sell is like a superpower, but with great power comes great responsibility. So I'm totally ripping off Spider-Man there, but well, I guess Uncle Ben. But it's true because if you're face-to-face with somebody who has a problem and you know you can help them solve it, your job is to show them. And that's it. You don't need to beat them over the head with it. But if you haven't done everything in your power to show them that value, then you failed as a salesperson. They can still say no, and that's okay. A no is completely okay in sales. As long as you've done everything in your power to show them your perspective. That's what sales is. It's not even finding the problem and solving it. It's finding the problem and doing everything in your power to solve it. And then if you can't, if you find a lot of people are not saying yes when you believe you can solve that problem, then get some support because there are people that'll help you. And there's things that you can say in conversation that'll help people see that value that you see without having to be slimy or shifty or whatever language you want to put to it. You get to be sincere, you get to be authentic, and you just get to focus on solving somebody's problem. Absolutely. And I guess this is really the the point I was trying to make with this episode is that if you're just starting your business and let's say you're a coach and you want to make an impact on people's lives, the the only way for you to make impact is by actually working with other people, right? Which means that at some point you need to have this conversation and it doesn't have to be an uncomfortable sales conversation, but at the end, you need to talk about right their challenges, their problems, where they want to go. And if you're not putting yourself out there, you're not speaking to others, then you're doing yourself as well as your potential clients a disservice because if they don't know about you, there is a big likelihood that they may be still struggling with the problem months on end. So that's an important message. Well, and can I take that one step further? I'm going to call Mm -hmm. out your audience a little bit here because if you're listening to this, I'm hoping you're listening to it because you want to get better at sales or you're nervous about sales and you want to overcome that. Over the last six years, I've worked with a lot of people that were in the coaching space, in the natural health space, and a lot of people in the more spiritual, energetic, hands-on, service-based industry stuff. And that was a really big blanket to throw on a bunch of people. But, (laughs) um, But people that tend to be less in the money-driven business space. They're more like, I want to help people, and that's their approach. One of the challenges is they say, well, I don't want to charge too much. I just want to help people. And so there's two things that I want to say. One is the relationship between how much you charge and the value somebody receives is not what you probably think. A lot of people think, well, if I charge too much, they're not going to get as much value. And the reality is, and this is something that I've heard and I've seen and I've experienced, 
is when it comes to something that has to do with some kind of transformation where the person has to put in the work, that there is a direct correlation between the level of investment and the level of commitment somebody has to achieving that result. So as a quick example, when I first started, my price was a lot lower than it was now. And I was attracting people that could afford the money, but it wasn't enough to make them get uncomfortable. And then I raised my prices and suddenly somebody showed up who was ready to go, paid the price. Uh, I should call it investment because in six months he went from no business to making $100,000 in his new business. And it was because he was all in, but that's the kind of person I attracted with the higher level investment. He was committed. He actually had to sell his house to work with me. Now, I don't want to make it sound like I'm crazy expensive, but I will tell you I'm a significant investment and you will get your return when you work with me. So higher prices are a good thing. You never want to be the dollar store. You don't want to have a race to the bottom when it comes to pricing because you end up with people looking for discounts and deals and they're always the most high maintenance clients in my experience. The other part that I want to make sure that I touch on, and I'm trying to get my brain back to it now. <laughs> I get on my soapbox and start ranting about sales and I get all excited. This is a big thing. So for those of you that are in those businesses where you're concerned about price versus value and you just want to give, 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 and you don't want to push, you're nervous about pushing somebody, I want to say this, and this is going to come across pretty direct, but it's meant out of love. If you are going to prioritize your level of comfort over your ability to help someone simply because you know, you're nervous, your words are going to say no, you don't want to offend them. And so you decide to not put yourself out there. You decide to not do that follow-up call. You decide to not ask them for the sale. You decide to not take any action at all towards helping solve this person's problem just because it lets you be more comfortable. That is selfish. And I know that your intention is not to be selfish. Your intention is to help people. But if part of what you're doing is staying small, is not going outside that comfort zone of yours, not reaching out to people who you're nervous to talk to because it's uncomfortable, what the trade-off is, is your ability to help them, your ability to change lives. And you could be a massage therapist, but someone has such a, a major issue, but they don't know you exist. And if you can solve that issue for them or help eliminate some of the pain, they could go and change the world. You don't know what people are capable of once they have your help and support. And they don't know what you're capable of if you never reach out to them or never follow up or never give them the benefit of the doubt that that one time when you thought about following up, but they hadn't responded to your email, you assumed that it was because they were brushing you off and not because they were just busy. So you gave up on them. If that's the case, that's selfish. And I know that's not who you want to be. You want to be someone who makes a difference, who changes people's lives, who changes the world if you want to. And you can, but it starts with saying, hey world, here I am. And this is how I can help. And that, well, that's marketing, but that's a core piece of sales too, is that following up, that ongoing conversation, because you need to get their attention and show them the value that you give. You need to keep that follow-up consistent so that when they get busy and have 35 voicemails in their inbox and yours gets lost, they still have another option to get a hold of you because you did that extra follow-up call. You need to push yourself outside your comfort zone so you can change somebody else's life. Boom. 
<laughs> this is amazing. Yes. And to, to be actually very honest, somebody told me something very similar right before I was getting ready to launch my podcast. And as I was sharing my vision with that uh, mentor and individual, he told me, well, you're being selfish. Like by keeping this information to yourself, you're doing other women disservice, right? You're hurting yourself, but you're especially hurting them because since you are not putting yourself out there, they cannot find out about you. And this is really what pushed me you know, to get everything up and going and get into action. And actually, once I did, right, like the, <laughs> the speed became so much faster, I started enjoying it. And then I got the momentum and now I keep going. So I feel like oftentimes one of the biggest challenges in starting your business is getting into the momentum. And because at the beginning, everything is so ambiguous and Everything can seem very big and daunting, but yet if you start with a small action and then you get some traction and things start moving, you're seeing the fruits of your labor, you're enjoying the process, right? The journey. And then this is what will keep you going, right? So um, I guess that that was my, my caveat to that, but amazing. Oh my God. I, I just love what you, what you said, Jeremy. So knowing that we're almost at the, at the end of our time today, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? Anything that I haven't asked and is important to share? Well, I'll try to make this a brief story because I want to make sure that your listeners don't feel like I'm some guy who's been great at sales all my life and I'm just telling them what to do because that's not the case. And so I want to just quickly jump back to share a little bit of personal anxiety that I've had. Uh, I know what it's like to be nervous about things. And I actually didn't travel on public transportation, like a public bus until I was 31 years old. And it was because I had this vision in my head of all the things that would go wrong. I'd jump in line and I wouldn't know what the right change is. And, and then I'd try to figure it out and I'd hold up the line behind me and the people on the bus would get upset. And it would just be all this negative energy and everybody would be mad at me. And it, I, it freaked me out. And I just never went on a public bus until I had to, until I forced myself to do it because I took a year off work. I went back to school, finished my degree, and I basically traded in my car for a bicycle and a bus pass. Now, turned out the bus pass solved most of my problems because all that anxiety <laughs> was about getting the right money. But I want everyone to know that when you're nervous about this stuff, whether it's sales or anything else, like one, I get it. The biggest advice I can give is you need to trust yourself. Trust yourself to handle the situation you're about to get into. Because there's no preparation in the world that's going to get you ready for every situation. So if you can believe in yourself and trust that you can handle what you're about to step into, that is real power. That's the place that everybody wants to be. I mean, that that's being fearless. That's being a warrior. I love that. You kind of included my next question in your answers. <laughs> Jeremy, for, for some who are thinking, wow, this guy is amazing. Like, how can I work with him? Tell us, how do you actually partner with individuals or companies today and uh, where can people find you? Yeah, well, my new podcast is launched at salesteamrescue.com and it's called Sales Team Rescue. So you can look it up on Apple Podcasts as well. Um, you can go to my main website, permissiontosell.com. That's my company name. Um, or just shoot me an email. You can find me on any social media platforms at Jeremy DeMerchant or Jay DeMerchant or JS DeMerchant. And uh, yeah, my email is jeremy at permissiontosell.com. So reach out. I love working with companies. I've got programs for people if they're sales reps, they're entrepreneurs uh, building their business, even sales professionals like in finance and real estate where you're responsible for the business and their sales activity. I love working with, with all these people, but my true passion is teams. So if you've got a team and you want to get your team fired up and get them really driving sales and results in a way that 
has corporate not being able to stop talking about them is kind of the, the hook that I like to use, you know, then, then reach out to me because I love helping sales teams turn around. I have this hero complex and I love swooping in to save the day. So I figured I might as well make a business out of it. <laughs> what a great way to turn your skill or passion into a business. I love that. Well, Jeremy, I enjoyed so much this conversation. This was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. And um, I wish you nothing but the best and best of luck with your new podcast and everything that you're doing. Yeah, so thank you. I appreciate uh, you having me. And uh, yeah, good luck with yours as well. This is amazing. And I'm excited to see all the good that you do in the world with it. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you for listening and dialing for today's show. We'll be back next week. And until then, have a great day. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you for spending some time with me and most of all, for investing time in yourself. If you found value in this podcast, share it with your friends and family and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to our episodes. This will greatly help us spread the word and help others find it more easily. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, you can find me on Instagram at Denny Timras. Shoot me a note and let me know what you thought of today's conversation. I always welcome any feedback or questions. Remember, now that you're here, you're part of a tribe. In this tribe, we care for each other. We lift each other up as well as share the raw, honest, unpolished truth that we often need to hear. So before you go, think about the next best action you can take to get you on your path to success. Don't wait for tomorrow. Make a commitment and do it now. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, have a great day.